The top stories from the KCBS Radio Newsroom. This is the All Local. Good afternoon. I'm Patty Rising. And I'm Brett Burkhart. We've got more now on the weather. Snow in the Bay Area, a historical winter storm event from which we are still recovering. We go live to KCBS's Jim Taylor at the Storm Desk. Jim? Good afternoon, Brett, Patty. Ice, snow, mudslides, rock slides, trees down, all contributing to an on and off closure today of Highway 17 in the Santa Cruz Mountains. I mean, the whole thing, miles long, lost Gaddis to Scotts Valley in both directions, and that is the case right now. KCBS's Jennifer Hodges is navigating the back roads. At the Wild Roots Market here in Felton, we ran into a number of people who said they stayed home because of the road closures on Highway 17. Where are you? Actually, on? I can't get to work today. Yeah. Other than that, I get to learn all the scenic routes through the back of the Santa Cruz Mountains. Yeah. Well, I mean, the storms of about a month ago were pretty intense, but it's been just another normal winter that we haven't had in like 20 years. It's been that long since snow covered the Berkeley Hills and if you are a kid, that is like magic, huh? KCBS's Matt Bigler is there. When Trisha Bogatti awoke this morning to see snow on the ground in Berkeley... It was like a dream. Like, I didn't expect, like, the Bay Area to have snow. Bay Area Hills got at least one to three inches of snow. Trisha wanted to skip school and have a snow day. Her dad said no. But maybe you have time for a quick snowball fight? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) History was made here today. No, it didn't snow in San Francisco. No, that's not in the cards. So uh, San Francisco did have a record low this morning of uh, 39 degrees. So that's something. Coldest it's ever been on this date in uh, in San Francisco? Uh, Yes. Uh, Broke uh, the previous record of 40 degrees. National Weather Service meteorologist Jeff Lorber there says we get this kind of light snow every uh, 20 years or so. This time around, a lot of damage. The damage in the Bay Area has been extensive. We've seen a lot of trees coming down, impacting power lines, breaking that equipment and disrupting electric service. It just got off the phone here with Myra Tosada, PG&E. Power outage update? Uh, we have about 11,100 customers. Uh, without power, and the majority of the customers impacted are in the South Bay, but Peninsula, the area that was hardest hit, and at one point had more than 60,000 customers without power, is down to about 1,800. So things are getting a lot better. She does caution, though, that more bad weather will mean more power outages, and looking forward to the weekend. We will be drying out uh, a bit, at least on Saturday, and we do have another system coming through on Sunday, so it's going to be cool and damp. You know, through the weekend and you know, through next week as well. Cool and damp. California, right? Live at the Weather Desk, Jim Taylor, KCBS. Thanks so much, Jim. The city of Oakland and Caltrans have received federal funds to study whether it's a good idea to take down the 980 freeway, which splits Oakland's downtown. Congresswoman Barbara Lee calls 980 a scourge on the East Bay. She gave U.S. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg a tour last fall, showing how she says the freeway has had a detrimental impact on Oakland, cutting off poor, primarily black communities in West Oakland from downtown. Caltrans plans to hire a consultant to study options. It expects the study to take two to four years to complete. Turning to politics now, California Republicans now like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis better than former President Trump for the GOP nomination for president in 2024. 
37% of the California GOP voters polled by the UC Berkeley Institute of Governmental Studies said they'd like to see DeSantis win the nomination, compared to 29% who would rather see Trump get it again. Those figures are almost exactly the opposite of the numbers in a poll by the same group last summer. With more on the news, watch here's Brett. Patty, Oakland police made an arrest in a deadly hit-and-run that killed a 100-year-old man last weekend. As KCBS's David Welch reports, police say the arrest came after help from the public. 100-year-old Zhu Tako was struck and killed last Sunday at the corner of 19th and Harrison in Oakland. The busy intersection is a popular spot for walkers and joggers with Snow Park and Lake Merritt walkways just next door. The driver involved fled the scene and Oakland police have been asking the public for help in the investigation. Oakland Police Captain Anthony Tedesco says one of those tips paid off. A vehicle has been recovered and an arrest has been made. The arrestee is an adult female Oakland resident. Tedesco didn't provide further details on the individual arrested or the vehicle they recovered, noting the case was still ongoing. Earlier this week, though, Oakland police said the hit-and-run driver was in a white or tan Mini Cooper. They also indicated they were looking for video surveillance of the accident. Tedesco confirmed surveillance video aided in their arrest. After the collision, uh, in an extensive canvas, witnesses and uh, surveillance video were located that ultimately led us to uh, a vehicle and a person that we believe are involved. The city of Oakland had 36 fatal pedestrian accidents last year. In Oakland, David Welch, KCBS. A little bit more on the observation of a one-year invasion in Ukraine. A lot of misconceptions about Russian military capabilities and Ukrainian resistance have been shattered. KCBS reporter Eric Thomas has more from an expert who studies the conflict. Here's the biggest takeaway from a year of watching the war in Ukraine. We understand who Ukraine really is now. A year ago, the world underestimated Ukraine. That's Doug Klain, who studies the war for the think tank, the Atlantic Council. He says Russian leaders thought the conflict would be quick and relatively painless. Russia thought that it was going to roll over the country. Putin thought he could overthrow the Ukrainian government and conquer Ukraine within just a couple of days. Even Ukraine's Western allies were pessimistic about the country's chances. But Klain says with stubborn perseverance and financial and military support from the U.S. and NATO, Ukraine has more than held its own. Ukraine has had far more wins in this war than Russia has, and Ukraine has liberated more than half of the territory that Russian forces captured. Klain says Russian President Vladimir Putin is counting on support for Ukraine to wane as allies deal with their own domestic issues. But if that doesn't happen, Klain says Russia could be in for a very tough year. Eric Thomas, KCBS. Marin County is looking to make it easier for those living there to know how much water they should be conserving and when. KCBS's Mike DeWald reports it comes as the county's reservoirs are full. All rain is runoff at this point in Marin County. The alleviated drought concerns buying water officials a little time and a chance to improve their processes. Matt Sampson is a director with Marin Water. He says the newly adopted system makes it clearer for people to follow what's happening with their water supply. The date to know now, April 1st. That April 1st date really gives us a good idea or a good snapshot in time to be able to make decisions that will keep us in, in healthy uh, reservoir standards for the rest of the year. The reservoir level on that date corresponds with the level of conservation needed for the year. First voluntary, then mandatory. Samson says under the current guidelines, it should only be needed once every few years. That gives us a really good idea about um, how we're sitting as we go into late spring, summer, and then into the fall months. I'm not knowing when the next rain will come into the winter. Now it's on to the next item on the punch list. So we're looking at ways, hopefully, to be able to implement some technology that will give folks 
a more real-time snapshot of the water. Samson says that will help people figure out how much water they're using and conserving. Mike DeWald, KCBS. Turning now to higher education, new numbers show a drop in the number of UC applications after two years of record growth. As KCBS reporter Holly Kwan tells us, the biggest decline came from international students, where UC gets a lot of its revenue from out-of-state tuition and fees. The drop may be because of a concerted effort to focus more on giving Californians first shot at a UC slot over international students. This year, Cal, UCLA, and UC San Diego are giving 900 non-resident spaces to in-state students with the state making up for the lost out-of-state tuition. The number of Californians applying for first-year UC admission remained the same as last year, but that may not continue. Rupika Risham is a Dartmouth professor studying higher education. She says the pandemic forced a lot of people to change their plans. Trade school, vocational school, and also just the workforce. I think what happens is that they're often on the fence about whether the cost of the education is worth the return on investment. And often they have pressure from their families to go work instead, either in in boom times, like prior to the 2008 recession, uh, and then now also uh, with the pandemic, we're seeing students deciding not to go to college. So if we see a recession coming, it's entirely likely we'll see a rebound because during recessions, people come back to school. Holly Kwan, KCBS. Patty, the Inflation Reduction Act is bringing federal dollars to an Alameda County food initiative. As KCBS's David Welch reports, Secretary of Health and Human Services Javier Becerra was in Oakland to make the announcement. Alameda County's Food is Medicine program aims at treating healthy foods as preventative medicine. The idea is to make healthy fruits and vegetables available to Alameda County's food insecure communities. That, in turn, according to the program, will treat more systematic health problems before they occur. U.S. Congresswoman Barbara Lee acquired the federal dollars as part of the Biden administration's Inflation Reduction Act. I was able to put into the uh, appropriations bill a $2 million appropriations. Of course, it should be $50 million or more for some demonstration projects. Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra says the Biden administration was eager to partner with Alameda County on the pilot program. According to Becerra, preventative medicine is a top priority for the administration, and treating food as medicine is a perfect fit with the White House's national strategy on hunger. And how better can you do that than providing people with healthy foods and making that the very first prescription our kids ever see? In Oakland, David Welch, KCBS. We are going to talk to KPIX 5's Paul Hagan. Talk a little bit more about it. Let's talk snow totals that we've seen thus far. Pretty impressive? Pretty impressive, especially as you go up in elevation. Of course, where you're on the rain-snow dividing line, say around Kentfield, Narenda, you picked up an inch and a half, maybe two inches of snow. On top of Mount Hamilton, they picked up over a foot of snow, and it's still snowing at those higher elevations as we speak right now. Oh, that's amazing. So did we break or match any records? Records, it's... They have determined by where the specific recording sites are, oh, and all true. those okay. recording sites are in the valleys around the Bay Area. So we're not going to be seeing any snowfall records being set in San Francisco because we didn't get any snow in the city. Same thing for San Jose, for Oakland. The lower levels saw rain, a lot of rain, and we had some of that small, soft hail. We call it grouple that fell out of the thunderstorms last night, and over 200 lightning strikes around the Bay Area from those thunderstorms last night into early this morning. Okay, so what do you expect later on today, overnight, into the weekend? We're going to see some more showers tonight, kind of backing up towards us from the Central Valley as the storm system slides down to the south. A little break in the action for Saturday afternoon into Saturday night. 
Another wave of rain is going to drop in on Sunday, and more rain is going to follow that up Monday and Tuesday. Still the possibility of a few thunderstorms with some of that small, soft hail. The difference with Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday's rain is that the snow levels are going to be a little bit higher, around the 2,500 to 3,000 foot elevation line, which means the peaks are still going to pick up some additional snowfall. We should not have the more widespread impacts on the highways through the higher elevations that we saw last night into this morning. Will there be wind associated with those systems? There will be some wind. No wind advisories in effect at this point. We are not going to see a return to the exceptionally windy conditions that we had Tuesday into Tuesday night, which is some good news there. But when you're talking about that wind event weakening some of the tree branches and just entire trees around the Bay Area, even kind of borderline wind events can result in more power outages, and especially when you factor in the lightning threat over the next several days as well. Paul, what about these cold temperatures? Upper 40s, low 50s, that's well below average, isn't it? Yeah, good 10 to 15 degrees below normal, and that's going to continue as we head through about the middle of next week. We are going to catch a little dry break by Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday to start the month of March. But even then, the warmest day in the extended forecast is a week from today. Even then, highs are going to struggle to reach 60 degrees, which is way below normal for early March. Thanks for all that great information. That's KPIX 5's Paul Hagan. Brett has more on the Newswatch. Patty, a pair of back-to-back attacks on street vendors in San Jose has shaken the local immigrant community. And now as KCBS's Keith Manconi reports, city officials are sending out a message of solidarity. No to the violence. Respect our vendors. That chant led in front of San Jose City Hall by Councilmember Omar Torres. He and a number of other civic leaders condemned the recent attacks and also highlighted support services available to the city's immigrant community. Vagunda Segura, a street vendor himself, says this public display gives him more confidence. Always, because now we know where to go and uh, where, who to call. Meantime, officials with SJPD also offering reassurance that victims who report crimes will never be asked about their immigration status. What could be behind these attacks? Deputy Police Chief Brian Schab is quick to point out that the assaults appear to be completely unrelated. And so I don't know that I would say that there is a rise just yet, but we want to be proactive so that we don't get to that point. In San Jose, Keith Manconi, KCBS. Tom Steenstra, famed outdoorsman, author, member of the KCBS family, has seen a lifetime of close calls in his career, scaling mountains, facing down wild animals, even a criminal. And now, after surviving so many perilous adventures, he faces his most deadly obstacle yet, as he battles cancer. And Tom Steenstra joins us now on the KCBS Ring Central Newsline. You'll remember Tom from the Outdoors Report here on KCBS. He's also the Outdoors Writer Emeritus for the San Francisco Chronicle and has a piece out now about his experience. Welcome back on the air on KCBS, Tom. Great to be here, Brett and Patty. It's really great. Thanks for inviting me on. And uh, the story I wrote has been has had enough attention that they're going to print it on Sunday in a special extra edition, um, six-page special package that they're going to have as part of the Sunday paper. That's awesome. It was just such a riveting uh, report. You have survived so much. How are you doing right now? I am doing great. I'm averaging about eight to 10,000 steps a day. I've got my fitness back. My voice is coming back, my old radio voice, which I had lost for most of last year. And my, my vision was going haywire, too, for a while. I've got that back. And my whole thought process is working well. Um, my last book I wrote with five tumors in it. And uh, 
it's probably the best book I ever wrote. Wow. I just first off, before we get too far away, thank you for sharing your personal story. I mean, the article is amazing. It's riveting. It's touching. What made you decide to want to go public with your battle with cancer? Well, a lot of people give up and I just can't stand that. And I'm not one of those people. And um, I was able to get into Stanford Medical Center and meet some of the finest doctors in the world. Dr. Chang, Dr. Reddy. I mean, I owe these people my life plus my wife was with me the whole time and um, between them I've made it through all the all the brain surgeries cyber knife radiology treatments and uh, and then immunotherapy infusions every two weeks uh, those things make a difference you have had such a medical odyssey Prior to your diagnosis, if someone had asked you, what's the toughest adventure you've been through, what would be your answer? Well, the the closest call I ever had was almost drowning, and that's happened more than once. But the closest call was when I flipped my canoe in really cold water, and my brother saw that I was going to go down for the count. I actually started feeling pretty good. I found out later from interviews I'd done with uh, family members whose loved ones had died from drowning in cold water that they actually felt pretty good, um, like just like I was feeling. And my brother saw that and jumped in and he uh, grabbed the bow of the canoe and kicked kicked uh, kicked me in, uh, you know, just swam me in with kicking his legs to the shoreline and then uh, kept me from going into hypothermia and coma. Wow. Your good friend Dusty Baker of Giants fame um, had some advice for you early on in the battle. You write, write about it, uh, and he told you to make plans for the future, make plans as far as things to look forward to, and one of them was going to Kauai. Did you make it to Kauai yet? Yes, we did, and one of my dreams was I just wanted to stick my legs into that warm Pacific water in Kauai. We went to the first people on a beach that morning, and uh, I did. I got my. I went in the knee deep, and uh, I must say it was euphoric. And what Dusty said, in case people haven't read the story yet, and it's available online at sfchronicle.com, is that give yourself small events to look forward to, like sticking your legs in the Pacific Ocean up to your knees, or like catching a special fish. Or going someplace. It's not a bucket list. It's special personal moments that you you take in. And he goes, your body will figure out a way to stay alive so you can do that. And uh, Dusty is just an amazing person in every way. But this is part of his eloquent genius that he has. And he's a deep old soul guy. And I've known him 25 years and. Uh, Every once in a while, this comes out. He ended up contacting me six times in Stanford Hospital um, with other tips as well. And I really, really owe a lot to him. Well, Tom, you are an eloquent genius as well. And I cannot tell you how happy it makes me to hear your voice and hear that you're doing well. Subscribe to the All Local wherever you get your podcasts. And stream us on your smart speaker 24-7 by saying, Play KCBS Radio. 